0: are real and unscripted, you will not want to miss a minute of this Part 1, Episode 6 of Season 1 on Camp VP Uncensored, where I sit down with my girlfriend, my peer, Natalie Vermiglio, as we talk about everything from being from the Midwest to orgasms, work ethics, the world of hair, sex, men life experiences and life lessons learned along the way. Oh my God. You will laugh. You will be shocked. You will be drawn in behind the curtains of our two minds and experiences and so much more. I cannot wait for you to join me around the campfire on this episode six of season one of Camp Fifi Uncensored. Learn all these fun things that we have to share you will laugh your ass off and listen subscribe because there's so much more before and coming that i cannot wait for you to be a part of and feel free to go to my link in my bio and join and subscribe and share because this community is growing we're having such a good time we're having great conversations around the campfire Now remember, there isn't anything from soup to nuts that I won't discuss, or as I like to say, from cannolis to egg in the holes, and don't forget the s'mores. Come join me around the campfire. Subscribe and be a part of the community. Listen on any platform you choose. You'll get the link in my bio. I look forward to you participating in this luscious, delicious conversation. You're in for a big treat. Have fun. Bye for now. This meeting is being recorded with my sexy, and I I almost said something I shouldn't even say, it was so not even kosher, and even though this is my podcast, and I will say it now, fu- fuckable, but I want to say it in the most politically correct sort of way, because we are going to cover all bases here, no doubt, which is why she's here. So my delicious yummy like probably younger sister could (laughs) have had her whatever but i feel like our spirits and our souls are so in alignment and connected because we're just two good old midwest girls (laughs) who know what a good old work ethic is not have fun know how to show up and make people feel good, Mm. know how to look good, (laughs) know how to be good, know what it's like to have a good orgasm. Oh, we sure do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the whole point. We're just going to keep talking and i'm getting this ultra highlight like maybe my crown chakra just went into a zone i don't know but we'll figure it out maybe we need to drop the shade here hold on i can't reach it now.
1: Can well do you, you think we're the same height? you think i could reach it <laughs> right there, right there. <laughs> we're
0: both welcome nice to the people. show <laughs> So so I wanted Natalie to come over because, first off, Natalie and I met on a pretty well-established series, but we were in it in the new year, the first year, with number one. It really doesn't need to be mentioned, but the fact is, is that's how we met. And did we soon discover our backgrounds Uh that were intact with one another? Yeah and our life theories that were intact with one another and thrown together basically due to circumstances mm-hmm. and just have this love and respect for one another and what i love is the truth is is that there's actually there's actually to be point blank a 20 year difference in our life yeah. of ages but I, I never feel like that for some strange reason. No. And I, I can't answer that other than um, I've been getting that a lot lately.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. I
0: mean, yeah. It's not weird. It's
1: just, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be 39 next week. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think I have any friends my age, to be quite honest well, with you. Well, that
0: doesn't surprise me.
1: That I doesn't have, surprise me, because yeah. your soul is older. It's older, but I also have a lot of younger friends, Yeah, too. but
0: I was also going to just say, like, but your spirit's super young, mm-hmm. and and I relate to that, and that's yeah. the whole concept of why I was doing this podcast, because it's all about your spirit being young, yeah. your soul being wise, and having, you know, this flow of life stories to share, Yeah, and I think, like, for me personally, the whole reason why I wanted to to do this podcast was because I wanted people to find people that they could either be entertained by, relate to, or a combination of both through inspiration, through sharing stories. You know, people tend to we we tend to as animals look at each other and go, ooh, do I like those spots or don't I like those spots? It's like like the very surfacy thing. Right. And being both of us in a very surfacy business. Right where it's all about the illusion and the delusion Mm -hmm. and both being very attractive. You're, like I said, I said it before, I don't need to repeat it again because I don't want it to be banned, but, (laughs) but you're, you're
1: gorgeous.
0: And I don't know who wouldn't want to do you being a very straight woman, you know, married, like I don't get who wouldn't want to do
1: you. I got hit on by women all night last night.
0: I don't doubt it. (laughs)
1: Like straight women. Yeah.
0: But. By straight women, yeah, yeah, I don't
1: doubt it. Like I had this lady recently divorced who was like, "I want to have a threesome with you and another guy," and I was like, "Ma'am, we just met." <laughs> <laughs> Give me fifteen minutes, and, and I'll I was like, "What about tequila you. <laughs> soda?" And I'll get back to you. Let me text him and see if he's free. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, you got me. Yeah, All right, okay. let me
0: okay. see. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have a hand
1: to do, how do, do, do I get oh, done now? Oh <laughs> my god, it was so funny!
0: Oh my god, I love that. But Natalie, that makes sense because you have that kind of energy. You know, it's like there's certain people whose energy is like it's linear, and other people's energy is what I call octopusy, it kind of covers a lot of bases, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, you got arms and hands and everything, yeah. And did you see yourself like that as a little girl?
1: What uh? What do like you
0: that your hands would did you see you had a lot of different interests or a lot of different attractions or a lot of different things that you were drawn to
1: yeah yeah I was definitely the kid that wanted to try everything but couldn't stay focused on one thing right I okay. just wanted to try everything
0: yeah and and did anybody say that that wasn't okay or did they just not get in your way
1: no, the, my parents were annoyed by it because it was like focus, focus, one thing, and it was like no, I want to try it all. I want to yeah, do it yeah. all. Yeah,
0: yeah. And how did how
1: did that work out for you as a little kid? Like, were you did you did you
0: rise in one thing or did you rise in many or did you well, just you hang know, back in it all?
1: I mean, I didn't, I didn't really rise in any of it. It was just, it for me, it was like I just wanted to have the experience to say, okay, I played basketball. Okay, I played, you know, soccer. Okay, I did ballet. Oh, you know, okay. I did those things. I don't like it. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't say that I, you know, like something or dislike something if I don't try it. right? Right. right, right. And I think the only thing that actually stuck, and this is where you and I are very similar is it got to a point with my parents where they were just like, you need to focus on something. So I got a job when I was like 11 years old. And that's the only consistent thing that's been in my life. (laughs) Is that you're a workaholic? Is that I'm a workaholic. Yeah, right. And that is something we do totally
0: relate to one another. hundred (laughs) percent, seven day a week, work ethic, workaholic. Hi, my name's Natalie Mm -hmm. Felicia. Mm -hmm. And it's true. We really do have that foundation in our system. Like it's so deep in our blood. Yeah. I don't even know, like. If we're ever capable of retiring, not because we want to be financially free, but because we just have to be doing something.
1: I don't know that. I, you know what? This pandemic.
0: <laughs> you taught
1: you something new. Taught me something new about <laughs> myself. you know how to
0: lay out. That I need, a,
1: I need a sugar daddy so mm-hmm. I can be financially free of all of it. Yeah. But I could easily be a stay at home wife hundred percent well i
0: I could totally see that but i definitely believe and this is part of my whole reason for this podcast even when you can be the most (laughs) gorgeous, gorgeous fuckable stay-at-home wife Mm -hmm. you still have to have your own stream of income and security sure i just i'm a big proponent of that (laughs) yeah right yeah
1: no i agree with that no
0: woman should ever 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 give up her security right And unfortunately, I find that that's a problem for women Yeah, is that that's one of the things that they're wishing for that prince on the white horse. Yeah. Or that horse. Yeah, prince on the white horse. Yeah. And to be taken care of. And who doesn't want to be taken care of? And know that that person will take care of you. But I still think women need to keep that in mind
1: like listen I would still work but I just want someone to already own the house and pay all the bills and buy me the car and I'll still have my job
0: no 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 but it's not even like a job I don't think of it as like I'm not visualizing a job I'm visualizing like how do you stay at home and have those gorgeous babies and have that life of leisure yeah but you are also able to be an entrepreneur yeah that doesn't force you to show up on a set to work for other people who tell you when and when not to yeah like you you know if um if that was if there was other desires is what i'm saying
1: i mean i i think that i could i if i did something like that i would still probably do a salon out of my house
0: see that's being an entrepreneur yeah yeah i agree with that 100 percent because that's a creativity that you like that right you, and i think the beautiful thing about um I mean, what I think is so rewarding about doing hair and makeup is you get this instant gratification, like you see instant results of your efforts put forth.
1: And you see see that person be like, feel so much more confident and like happier. 100%,
0: that is exactly how I feel. Yeah, there's really a lot of power in that. Did you see like yourself ever going into this, down this road like at 11 when you got your first job?
1: Well, so it's funny. My first job when I was 11, it was in a salon. What? Did I, I, I that? you that. I don't think I told Wait, you well, that. Were you shampooing or sweeping you, or oh, what all we- of it? I was shampooing. You were the original I was, assistant. I was, I was. I was shampooing. It was a. It was what we called the Sunday set salon. So Saturdays, it was all old women, and they had the short hair. They would come in, get their perms, their roller sets, yes. their blue rinse.
0: Yes, yeah, the blue hair lady. The blue hair lady. Keep your doors
1: open. Yep. we And they would come in every Saturday because yes. they had, had to be ready for church on Sunday, right? Yes, yes. And that would be their hairstyle for the week. Yes. So I was pulling perm rods. I was putting solution on. I was neutralizing. Oh I was God. putting the blue rinse on. Oh I, I was doing all of it.
0: Yeah, you were trained classic. Yeah.
1: I got it. I was 11 me. years old.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I think that that is something to be proud of. I know that that's yeah. to some people, they're like, yeah, really, I, I think I would strive for more. No, what people don't understand about that whole foundational training mm-hmm. is one, it taught you so much about so many things, managing time, responsibility, chemistry. human beings in their head and their hair, how you made people feel, customer service. Right. Like the, the, the level of multitude of things that you are engaged with in just doing that act. Yeah. That people don't realize what that takes and what in the end you pay for. And what's so funny about that to me is that, I don't know if you're on these threads, but one of the things that they're talking about right now is um lowering the qualification
1: for hours. Oh, I saw that. California. It's disgusting. I agree. And they're not doing a practical test anymore. I heard that too. I was, I'm shocked.
0: Yeah, it's it's dumbfounding. And for people who don't understand the legitimacy behind being a licensed cosmetologist or barber and the reasons for why I think now we've just both revealed why we both believe in. The level of training and the level of qualification and the testing process and why we believe in that for licensing purposes and out there being a practitioner and being an artist and a business person is because a thousand hours and no practical test is going to be somebody that I would generally, and granted, okay, yeah, sure, maybe you did learn in the kitchen or whatever, all the things, but doubtful. Right, very doubtful and I get that every educational program is different I was very fortunate I was very fortunate I was already exposed to the black hair olympic team and platform work and all these things but that was very random I'm sure yeah and yet at the same time I also believe that you don't just sit around for 1600 hours or 2200 hours Mm -hmm. or more and just look at perm rods and so what if you did like, you know, there's a lot to be said for knowing a, a perm and knowing wraps and knowing things because it applies to, well, when I was coming up, it applied to a lot, actually. And
1: they're actually more prevalent now, too. A lot Man, of people. I just did a perm two weeks ago We here. did perms on three of our actors. I freaking love them. And I was doing
0: it on wigs. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. It's like, I mean, I was laughing with my client going, you know. It's been forty years since I put solution in. And seriously,
1: it was so funny. I was talking to my boss, and she was like, "I don't even know where the hell you buy perm solution anymore." I was like, "Well, Cosmoprof hello, and Cosmoprof Sally's." Yeah, hello. yeah, Sally's. Yeah, exactly. but it was funny because we're doing them on our actors because yeah. it's a you know it's a period show. Yeah. Um, but I remember my mom was doing perms on everybody in you know the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: And, we, and then I was doing you know doing them in the salon, but it's so funny. The one thing when I got that job. I never saw myself as a hairdresser. I was just like, this is so much fun. Right. Like, it's so cool. Look at how it turns this white lady or this white haired lady's hair blue and all that shit. And honestly, I had that job for about a year because I was going, it was my, I was in eighth grade and I was going, it was seventh grade, eighth grade going into high school. When I went into high school, I started doing sports, so I couldn't work on the weekends and it was really only a weekend job. So I started uh, doing a lot of my friends hair in high school and I'm talking highlights. Best way to learn. Especially when you're frying girls' hair off Hell left yeah. ooh. and right. Strands
0: falling breaking, and like yeah, like cotton candy. Like shit. cotton
1: candy. Yeah. And it was funny. So I went to a public school and I went a lot of my friends were either black or mixed. Yep. And I was doing their hair. And <clears throat> one of my sister's best friends was um, she was African American and she needed her hair braided one day and she was like, I'll show you guys how to do it. So showed me and my sister how to do box braids and so we're sitting there just box braiding away and it was like okay this is easy like I can do this and never in a million years thought that I would be a hairstylist to be quite honest with you no it was just something that I did
0: yeah no and I I relate to that as well and I think we've discussed this because I never in a million years thought I was going to be a hair and makeup artist but I too coming up in the fashion business and my mom being in the salon every week with initially in the 60s with her pieces right and then the 70s with the blowouts and all the things and how that transitioned but my grandmother was a hairdresser did I I ever tell you and so I mean there were just a lot of connections and it was always a place where you felt good people had great conversations right it was an energy thing you looked forward to being there right it was like the vibe was always positive why wouldn't you want to continue that in your life right So I like you, I ended up with in college, not prior, in college, where people started asking me to cut their hair. And Uh I ended up with this unbelievable following. Yeah. I didn't get paid. I got got paid in bong hits. That that's how I got paid because I paid in drinks. Because I thought it wasn't kosher to accept cash.
1: Well, I like. (laughs) I had this job. I mean, I get it. I had this job when I was out of high school working at a trucking company, which is the industry my dad was in. And it was just like an easy job. And um, I was it was all guys. I was the only girl that worked there. Mm-hmm. And I'd hang on with all the guys. And they were all very like typical kind of like Midwestern like hockey players. Mm-hmm. So they had like mullety type hair. And I'd be like, let me cut your hair hey let me, let me cut it let me cut it and they'd be like all right cool whatever like they didn't give a shit right they like they were the type of guys that like didn't really care about getting a haircut so i would just like practice on cutting their hair it's an amazing opportunity <laughs> yeah it was like it let me, was the best. Let me cut your hair. <laughs> like all drunk like come, come on man let me work Wait. it out yeah <laughs> let me figure it out <laughs> it'd be like, cool if we cut this like it's just so stupid oh like, no
0: but so real
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know and it
0: works. hmm no, I agree. I mean, it was by the time I got to beauty school, man, I didn't know how to do perms and color, but I knew how to fucking cut hair and I knew how to solve that problem. Yeah. When people were learning on their Gloria heads. Yeah, And it wasn't like, I thought I knew all that in a slice of bread. I just was like, I was glad to have worked over, you know, 300 people's heads of hair multiple right. times already. Right. And then do my 10 and a half months. A right. time you know of like commitment but how important that was because I mean I went and worked at the salon that I then grew up in like the, the one yeah. that was really impressionable and what's so interesting there's only one female director of photography I've ever worked with we both went to Columbia in Chicago okay. her mother was a hairdresser for the hairdressers who's on the hair salon that I ended up coming up through oh, and wow. working at so like what a small strange crazy ass world that we ended up on a series together wow years later being like what the hell and another friend of mine who we also started in chicago together but cynthia and i did not start in chicago together but you know, we were coming up yeah. through the Rockford educational system and then Chicago and then yeah. through the entertainment industry. And how nutty is that? But all through that salon core base. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about like the blue hair ladies, I mean, people don't understand from a business perspective. It's like people get into the entertainment industry and especially in our division. I don't know about you, but no, I think I do know about you, uh-huh. but, but, but I'll just say this. What I think why you and I relate to each other so much is because we have seen so many other faces of business, and we have worked since we were little kids. Yeah. And so our level of appreciation for working hard and working however hard it takes to get it done, and not kill yourself or anything like that, but just you know, would people like more time freedom? Would people like more guarantee? Would people like you know things to not be you know, messed with in regards to whether it's legal training or whether it's health and welfare and all the things that we signed up for in regards to the world that we're a part of, excuse me. Right. But um, that at the same time, it's like, it's still a cool gig to, for no better term, a, a, a potentially cool industry to be a part of. Yeah. Provided excuse me, we all feel like we're in a safe, sane situation. Right. Which are two very key things.
1: Yeah, I agree. I just, this whole thing with them lessening hours and taking away the practical, like, it, it's unfortunate because it's going to turn out a lot of bad hairstylists. And I think it's really going to do something to our industry. Yeah. That um almost... I can't think of a good word for it, but I don't want to say diminishes it, but it does bring it down to a level of, there. it's almost like they're doing it to turn out these um, Great Clips stylists. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You sure. know,
1: it takes away like so much credibility when you knock it down to only having to do a, th- a thousand hours because you're taking away so much training. Correct. And I you know I go back that's and a forth a lot of training that's you're taking six hundred hours. Correct. That's half almost half of the if
0: not more, depending upon which state you're from. But like you know well,
1: California they're trying to take it down to a thousand. I know, I know,
0: but I'm saying if you train under twenty two hundred and it was sixteen. I'm just saying that there are oh, different yeah. states that are between sixteen hundred and I don't eight.
1: think anybody does twenty-two anymore.
0: Maybe they maybe they don't, and maybe yeah, maybe I mean, I've been out of that loop, but we are the highest
1: us in New York are the highest. Wait, I don't remember what it was in Illinois. It was pretty high at I, the time. A lot of states are—I know we're the highest—and then there are some that are like fifteen hundred. But then there are states like, like a Louisiana that's like a thousand.
0: See that that that's frightening because yeah. it, I mean, first
1: off, you're talking about real quick. Yeah. Just, the other thing about that that's really frustrating is that. We have reciprocity. We're going to have so much more reciprocity with other states. Meaning that more people are going to be able to come in if they lower the hours to a thousand. You're right. Because you're absolutely right. And, and it's just, again, it's going to like, we're going to have this overabundance of hairstylists that already we're not protected. Like Mm -hmm. if you work in a salon, you're not protected at all. You're an independent contractor. Right. Um, there's not enough business to go around. People are, after the pandemic, don't want to pay the rates. No, they don't. They don't want to pay the $100, basically $100 an hour for a haircut or Correct. color. Correct. And it's, it's going to push a lot of people out of it and bring people into it that don't belong
0: correct and and that's the thing you're going to you're going to end up pushing out either a lot of seasoned people who really are great artists and problem solvers yeah. and who have learned through a, 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 a through time how to approach right. because of you know their 10, 20, 30 years of value that they bring to the table. Right. That that just comes with doing the work. But doing the work does not mean, oh, go out and become an assistant. Forgive me. Yeah. I was not going to go sweep the, sweeping the floors and shampooing the heads for me as somebody who had come out of college and then beauty school was not going to solve my problem and get me ahead. Right. I had to get out there and I had to start making money. And as it was, it was hard enough for me to rub two sticks together to make cash the way I wanted to, because I didn't have an established clientele. That takes time. That's not something that's handed to you unless you're going to work in a great clips or a, a a what have you, that just has walk in, walk in, walk in. I didn't come making 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I I was just going to say making 10 bucks an hour and you know, I ended up just having uh, an interview with my agent from my Chicago days. Okay. And we were talking about the whole thing. I mean, she discovered Cindy Crawford. Like, There's just a whole yeah. lot of depth there regarding the, all the fields and all the relations right. and things. And long story short, um, you know, it's just really interesting, like, just on every level, how... And I find that also through this pandemic, there's there are people who made a shitload of money in this during this time uh-huh. a shitload. Yeah, and then there's for as many people who made a shitload, that many more who like are barely hanging on. Yeah, and when you think that that's another form of affecting people's success and gain. And how do you think that from a, from a cost of living, what have you? Yeah, no, there's
1: no way like
0: $10 hour haircuts.
1: Well, did you hear the whole reasoning behind why Newsom is doing it?
0: I did not hear the whole reason why Newsom is doing So it.
1: he is basically stating that um, it's right now hard for lower income people to get into or to do hair school or cosmetology school And to make a living because you have to, you're basically going to school full time. Correct. For 1600 hours. Correct. And then afterwards getting a job doesn't pay a lot right away. Correct. So he's saying that by lessening the hours, it's easier for people in a low income situation
0: I was low income when I started.
1: I was low income.
0: I was, ba- I mean, I was poverty level. I did not make more than $8,000 in my first handful of years. Yeah. In Chicago, in the depth of the city. Yeah. With major school loans to pay back. Completely yeah. paid them back. Had a car, had car insurance, had all the things. Barely could fucking get my fucking I ass finished, by.
1: I finished cosmetology school t- over 10 years ago and I'm still paying my student loans for it. Yeah. Like well, I'm still no, paying you- it. you. I was 38 when I finished
0: paying my school loans. It yeah. took me over 10 years to pay my school yeah. loans back. And 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 I'll never forget them calling me up when I was in Chicago in one of my like, loft spaces and and being like, you know, we need our payments to be higher, and I was like, "Hey, man, I did not come out of a job at the time. This was a very credible thing. Of course, it became incredible, but at the time, just to relate of time and space, I said I didn't come out of school with an Arthur Anderson interesting job making sixty thousand or more. Yeah, and I mean, I knew that I want to make a shitload more than sixty thousand. Yeah, but how many people even make sixty thousand in like, that Cubby, time, Cubby? Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, you know, and you definitely don't come out of beauty school making, Cubby, welcome to my podcast, by the way. <laughs> Cubby, lay down, buddy. Um, so yeah, so it ends up that, um, hey, so, so yeah, so it's, it's one of those funny things that, you um, No, nobody was freaking wiping my ass, giving me a break. No. People were giving me shit for going to beauty school. I, for one, was like, well, how am I going to take this fine arts career and this unfinished pre-med career that I couldn't afford to continue? Right. Which is why I didn't continue. Uh, Film, okay, I've already explained, like I'm one of, you know, one woman in a class and I see the writing on the wall, what that's gonna be like to become a director of photography or director. Right. That's not gonna be, oh, walk out that door and be handed those jobs. So I had to do something practical. Yeah. And it made the most sense to get that license, to spend the time, and granted, I know, if I hadn't done it right after school had wrapped
1: you would have never done it I had no way yeah
0: because it was full-time yeah and it was full-time and then I had a job at night with Clinique and we were mm. talking about this today on this other interview uh many other reasons that I won't get into but um I I knew I had to carry a part-time job Same. If, if it weren't for the fact that I had to go back to Rockford to do that, though, and live in my mom's house, Right. which I hadn't lived in my mom's house since I was 15, since I was away at boarding school. And again, t- don't get me wrong when I say boarding school, which was right near Milwaukee and Beaver Nam, yeah. wasn't because, you know, we were hitting, we were sitting high and mighty on the, you yeah. know, the fat. It was because yeah. I got financial aid that I had to work off every day. Like, all this stuff has been earned. Right. Nobody's handed it. And so, yeah, when you and I, who are from two distinctly different generations, Mm -hmm. but have very, to the core values, similar uh, ways of looking at things, I think we look through the same rose colored glasses. Right, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That we go, yeah, no, that doesn't, that smells stinky in (laughs) Denmark. That's not flying here for us. No. So no, Um, I I agree and um, listen, I don't want to get into politics about all that, but, um, yeah, that's not, that's, you know,
1: you know, the thing that pisses me off about it, and this will get slightly political. Um, when I went to school, I was not low income. So again, I have loans I'm paying for. I went to hair school, cosmetology school with so many people that were getting to go for free. It
0: was like section eight.
1: Matter it, fact, that was their way
0: of them making government kickbacks or something yeah, I think yeah They at the education and the kickback
1: yeah and, and it's like so don't so this whole this whole thing about how Newsom's doing this for lower income and it's like how what do you mean I agree what do you mean yeah you, I had a part-time job working at Target after work from I think it was like 5 to 11 yep same. every night yep and I you know I was a cashier. It was like I made it work, and I still have to pay the loans. Yeah. So don't tell me that it's for low income people to make it easier on them. It's like that you're already going to a twenty five thousand dollar year for your education for free. Yeah. How much easier do you need it to be?
0: No, I, I I agree. And again, I don't I don't understand it because I think it comes back down to look. I'm not in those people's shoes. I I can only speak from the shoes that I've walked in. Mm-hmm. But I know the shoes that I've walked in things things look like they've been handed to me,
1: but everything's yeah. been earned. Yeah. Same. Worked my ass off for it.
0: Yeah. So I'm definitely, and you know, as women, you know, I think it's also like, look, you know, we're we're, I mean, this goes back to some of the original stuff we were about, or earlier stuff. Talking about the difference on of security versus, you know, freedom to not show up to work because right. you have a quality of life that gives you the financial freedom to not have to engage with all of that, um, or the freedom to have your own home studio, or or all of the above, or not mm-hmm. be in the world, you know, and set your own prices and have the kind of clientele. Listen, at the end of the day, hopefully the clientele is also going to say, yeah, sure. Great. I can get $110 haircuts in yeah. a year, um, but what do I look like? How do I feel? What right. kind of service do I get? What What's the relationship? Right. Like, you know, hopefully people get that. Yeah. Hopefully people. Hopefully get... they'll,
1: they'll understand it. Yeah,
0: and I think that um, again, getting back to being women and being in the workforce, I think that on one hand, we need to protect those rights for women in the workforce. Absolutely. We need to protect the rights for women in the workforce so that they can be self-sufficient and live a life of freedom and choice, whether they wanna be in partnership or raise children or have a career or all of the above and be a homeowner right. and have investments yeah. and have security on all levels. Um, being able to educate your children, being able to, you know, have a voice, not be like working seven days around the clock. I know. And you know, something I think the reason why you and I chose as hairdressers and makeup artists to go into the field. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but we could both be as we have been in Beverly Hills salons or what have you. Oh, yeah. For me, it's been, um, first off, I don't like
1: those environments. I don't either. I find, I mean, <sighs> first off, I don't do pretentious. Secondly, I don't do, I like. I like to go to work in my sweats. Um, I like to make my own rules in a sense. I like being around men. <laughs> right. Like we're in a, a very diverse industry Yeah. where you're around so many different kinds of people. And I feel like in any of those high-end salons, it's so narrow-minded Yeah. that it's, it's very black and white. It's like, you're just in this very cold space with cold people who think that they're better than everyone else. And that I mean sometimes there are good people, sometimes, but most of the time there's not. Mm-hmm. The clients are usually assholes. Mm-hmm. And I I know people who are probably listening to this, you're you might be one of them. Mm-hmm. Just saying, mm-hmm. like you don't think you are, but you are. Mm-hmm. Um it's true. I get <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> and like, yeah. Um and I just I I just don't have I did not have the patience for it. Yeah. I, I didn't have the the anything for it I just couldn't do it and I don't know
0: no I agree with you well I never saw myself even with getting the license being a salon being locked down in one space and because I'm too fluid I think I'm still crossing the fucking desert yeah like you know it's like well let's get up and go people we got things to do like let's go over here and check this out yeah I I like the diversity too much and like yourself, I interact. Well, I mean, you know, I got into this because of men's grooming. Yeah. That's truth. It's men who got me in this business unconsciously. Yeah. It wasn't
1: the women. Women weren't supporting me. That's the irony. I, well, women are, are, I'm sorry, women clients are, I have one loyal client that I've had for 10 years. One. Yeah. Um, and I have four other clients that have stayed loyal to me for the last seven years. So five people total. Yeah. And women are not loyal. No. Men on the other hand, totally different story. Yeah. They like consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, women are, if you're, if you don't, basically if you don't blow smoke up their ass, every time you see them, they're not going to come back to you. Well, I think that's an
0: interesting point of view as well, because, you know, I don't want to say anything offensive, but I find that um, at my observation over many years, so it's my own version of my own study, mm-hmm. which is, I find that this, this is why so many women end up with gay male designers.
1: That's 100% accurate. Because
0: they need smoke blown up yeah. their ass.
1: And, and most of those men aren't even good. It's just they'll sit there and they'll like coddle them and do the, oh my God, it looks so good on you. You're so beautiful. You're so this. And women need it from a masculine. Now, even though they're gay, it does not mm-hmm. mean that they're not, they need it from the male presence. Right, right,
0: right. Approval. Because they, they they're the not approval. getting that
1: approval from home. Right, right. And this man knows that all he has to do is say, honey, I love that red lip on you. Right and they're suddenly fluttering on the inside right and there is a little bit of um I don't want to say like women are attracted to it but it's a because they know you know that they're not thinking about cheating on their but like it's a gay man that tells you you're pretty right right it's it's just a oh I have to go back and see Marco you know what I mean like I have to see Marco every Saturday for my blowout. And it's like, you're, you literally, you're insecure is what it is. Yes. Yeah, That's the problem. Well,
0: sadly, it's so, and it's a very, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know. And we don't want to offend anybody and or maybe we do, but. I mean, I don't is,
1: care. Yeah. I'll no. probably offend a bunch of people. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> like, no, The
0: sad <laughs> truth is, is, so this is, this is really, um, this is really been something that, I, we obviously both very much have. Uh, I mean, I've talked with this too, especially hair female hairdressers. Yeah. Um, Makeup artists, you know, that's a different world that, that right. because makeup artists aren't, you know, yeah, they might be in the agency world and yes, they're in the film and television world, but uh, besides that, they're not in the salon world in that way, in that right. way that we know it to be. And, and so it's a different conversation, but female hairdressers, and being that I started out this way, um, and artists and designers and businesswomen and all that. There is definitely a thing that is yeah. like, and I don't even know. I mean, I don't know what the female clients who are participating in that, how conscious or not conscious they are. They're
1: not because I've actually gotten to an argument with um, a very famous celebrity about it. Oh, did you now? Uh huh. Um, and you know, I'm not going to name names. No. And so I worked in a movie with her a couple of years ago and, um, you know, she's a very big activist for women's, women's equal rights in the industry. Okay. Huge left projects because of this reason. Right. And I said, that's funny that you sit here and advocate for your industry, but I said, you're not advocating. I said, you hire only men hairstylists. And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, All your hairstylists are men, correct? And you you choose them through your agents, like through the agency, through your manager. Like every time you do a photo shoot, there's a guy that does your hair. Good for you, Natalie. And she was like, Well, yeah, what's that? And she was like, You are literally discriminating against women. And I said, And that man that does your hair, he's not a good hairstylist. I've seen his work, I know him, he's yeah. not that great. And But yet you want me to advocate for you and your rights when you're taking work away from women, not to mention, and a lot of people don't know this, but the whole wage parity thing in our union, Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, and then on top of that, you don't even understand the reason hairstylists make $10 an hour less than makeup artists is because it was for women only to do hair and men only did makeup. Yes. So the, the gender discrimination that we deal with, but yet you continue to hire men male makeup and hairstylist. And she was like, well, that's because they're good. And I was like, "See, so you're justifying it. So why can't I justify that? That man should make more money than you because he's good.
0: Snap, what did she say?
1: She, and she, she had nothing to say to it.
0: Well, cause she, you stumped her. Yeah. You just went,
1: <laughs> yeah. you went I got to. Yeah wow girl and she did a lot of thinking and I've noticed on her post lately she's been hiring more female hair and makeup people I think it and I had the other conversation that's with
0: funny her. because I had to go on I, well sorry. I had
1: another conversation about it with another big actress client of mine who only uses me for hair and makeup and you know she kind of caught on to it and it that's not why she hires me she loves me yeah
0: yeah yeah and she oh, loves the way oh, wow.
1: But she's been like, yeah, I tell all my friends, all my celebrity friends, like, to not hire guys, like, just because they're a guy. She was like, because, you know, she's older, and she's like, and all my older friends, like, they just have to have that, like, that energy. That Uh,
0: make me feel like. Make me feel,
1: validate me. Yeah,
0: validate my pussy. Yeah,
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I said it's still alive. Mm-hmm. Sweetheart, get a fucking double D or get a triple triple A or do and validate yourself. Yeah. Like you do not need outside yeah. validation. Exactly. I mean, not to be like so internally direct, but Whatever. that's really the bottom line. Uh, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's it is really crazy. It's interesting because I mean, look at I mean, <laughs> I mentioned on my last interview that my very first hairdresser was a gay british guy mm-hmm. that was giving me my little 1960s pixie haircut because sure. my mom did not want anything to do with the fact that she had to deal with this mane yeah and um i do not think though this is an interesting thing because my mom really was about raising up women hmm And I don't think she conscientiously, I think it was just, she was trying to go to the, what was considered the best at the moment in the sun. But it's fascinating for me to even reflect back on it and see how that was because my mom actually did have male hairdressers.
1: You know, the funny thing is, is I remember going to get my hair done one time and I was in high school and you know, I had my hair was like down to my ass and so thick and curly and, Blonde, and um I remember going to the salon and they put me with this guy and I was like no I'm not having him do my hair yeah and they were like why not he's like one of the best and I was like I don't care I was like I have long curly hair like what makes you think that you know how to do my hair yeah yeah you've never had long hair you don't even have curly hair yeah like how would you know like you don't even know how to put it in a ponytail like and that was me being an asshole because I said all clients are assholes like the reality of it is I've gotten better (laughs) But all clients are assholes. And I was such a dick. I was just like, you don't know how to. And like, they got to a point where they had some lady do my hair, and she, it was fine. It was just, I, I, there's just something about how do you know how to do my hair if you've never had hair? listen i mean
0: (laughs) and and i agree with you
1: about that like i've said that both
0: about hair and makeup and Mm -hmm. i'm sorry but i want to make a woman look fuckable i don't want to make her look like a drag queen right and and i think that and i and i know that there's great artists out there on both sides of the coin but i definitely i said i know what it's like to be a female yeah i want to be Look and feel desirous. I know what
1: it's like to feel sexy with a hairstyle. Hello. And so I know how to do that. A guy doesn't know how to do that. No.
0: No, I don't care how much estrogen they have reached through yeah. their body. Yeah. You are still not a woman. Yeah. And you will not be a woman. And it doesn't mean that, again, through all sex changes and all the yeah. and hers and whatever, I'm not, I'm not trying to make some offensive statement. Yeah. We're talking about just as we, as women know what that feels like. Right. To, in that experience, go, I know when I, when I feel sexy and I know when I look. I know when throat, I
1: walk out the door, cause I have a good hairstyle or good makeup makeup. makeup or like my tits look good today. I know that feeling of I'm going to fuck somebody. I, that I, and I will have my picking. I will have my choosing. (laughs) tonight <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> exactly speaking of
0: your choosing oh, so god. as a as, oh god oh god, oh <laughs> god.
1: Like, here we
0: go the door has swung open uh-huh. so as a woman in los angeles from the midwest be it milwaukee wisconsin and being gorgeous and being <laughs> you know at uh, a stage of your life that wanting to settle down well i, I say that with pair was with, with quotations because <laughs> you obviously not obviously let me take that back you you have a great appreciation for the male species oh i
1: love a man right i love dicks i love men i love all kinds of men
0: so there you have it
1: which is funny because after all of that talking about how i'm not a fan of male hairdressers yeah i fucking love men I, I appreciate the male species in every aspect.
0: Yeah. And from that perspective, as a woman who appreciates <laughs> all men from all aspects or those that you find attractive and, you know, internally, externally, or yeah. all the above, from that perspective and as a woman, and being that we're in a culture of... Depending on what part of the world we're granted, American-born women, but you know, having your voice, having your rights, being able to be able to be yourself, be your truth, be it right. sexual, you know, not not in a committed partnership. Like, how does that play in your sphere, in your world, and and you know, how do you see that for yourself? Like, how does that work for you? How does it not work for you?
1: Um. You know, I actually, I have my days where I struggle with it Mm -hmm. because the reality of it is, yes, I'd like to be in a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately there's, I I find it hard to date people in our industry, but you almost have to only date people in our industry Mm -hmm. because they understand the hours, they understand the unavailability, Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me. Um, they, uh, they just understand, like, mm-hmm. you can't be on your phone all the time, even though I am.
0: Right, 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 right. No, it's <coughs> You can't be on your phone all the time because you're not paying attention right. to what you're doing. You know,
1: they understand when you have to be up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work, so mm-hmm. you're in bed by seven o'clock the night before. Mm-hmm. They understand when you have to go to work at 5 p.m. on a Friday and you don't come home till 6 a.m. on Saturday. It's, they just understand that. Um, but I, I think that, Right now in my life, I'm just having fun. And until I become a little bit more financially comfortable, um, then I'll start focusing on settling down because right now for me, it's just work, work, work. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so great because I'm fucking this 25 year old football player, professional football player. Oh, this
0: is the guy you told me about a few weeks back.
1: Did I show you his picture? No, you never
0: showed me his picture. Oh,
1: (laughs) Felicia. (laughs)
0: i love it well you know Uh, it's funny because you talk about 25 and you're almost you said i'll be 39 right Mm -hmm. so there's 14 years difference yeah so what do you how do you feel about that like in regards to gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and do you do you have
1: Uh, yeah beautiful
0: absolutely beautiful yeah I love it and, and, and it doesn't, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Well, uh,
1: so there's a couple of guys that I'm sleeping with, but he's my number one.
0: And, re- <laughs> and regarding that, how do you protect yourself? How do you make sure you're safe? How do you make sure you're safe in a time of COVID? How do you like do all that?
1: <sighs> well, with COVID I, I'm at a point where I just don't care anymore. I'm, I'm vaccinated. I know I can still get it. I get tested frequently um I but the thing is is like I'm not gonna stop living my life I still go out to bars I went out last night you know nobody wears the masks like I there's not I'm not gonna isolate myself anymore so it, it for me at this point it is what it is I was very cautious like the first year of COVID um but with everything else like I do use condoms if we're talking about that
0: well we're talking about all of it yeah um are they tested? Do you know? Like, how does that work? Do like, you care?
1: Like, not, and CDs? No, no, no,
0: not. Well, there's that. Obviously, that's a whole world of hopefully they're tested. But even with the combination of COVID, I get and I hear, like, look, you and I are sitting here yeah. together. I'm, I don't normally sit here together with somebody, but because yeah. I know we both get tested so much, uh-huh. I feel a little bit more like. okay, is the other
1: guy I'm sleeping with?
0: Gorgeous, see again. Doesn't I mean like doesn't surprise me that Beautiful I man. get it. I get yeah. it. I Beautiful. get it. You're you're gonna laugh when I share something with you, and 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 whether on this podcast or mm-hmm. off the podcast. But um, how do you? So interestingly enough, like. In most cultures, women wouldn't be allowed to do what you do are doing right now, right? Yeah. Right? And yet we live, listen, I remember getting out of college and being like, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Yeah. And I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted in college. Yeah. But that's a different, and going forward, that's a different trajectory than what women had, you know, 10, 20, 30 40. Or more years prior to that mm-hmm. it wasn't that women didn't have intimacy and do all those things but there would be things and ways that one would be looked upon
1: not men right. women well I feel like women were women have been groomed to be so submissive to men you know for since the dawn of time and right. I feel like it's we're finally at a point where you know and, 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 I, and I mean submissive in a general sense not just when it comes to sex it's always been you know, do what the man says. Cause he's the, he's the provider. He's the, this, he's the, that, right. He's the, the great. Right. And it's funny. Um, growing up for me, I think that my mom was, my mom worked a lot and she had a great job and she did make more money than my dad, but there was always something about my mom that I felt like, she was weak when it came to men especially my dad
0: because of the choices she made of men
1: well yeah yeah even after like the divorce like she just like succumbed to okay well he's you know he's my husband now and you know i'll do anything for him and that to me that's a weakness Like she completely loses. And I feel like a lot of women in my family are like that. Loses themselves.
0: And and it's a choice
1: that they make.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And so growing up for me, I was like, I'm never going to be that person. Right. I refuse to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I took that along with a bunch of other like traumatic things that happened to me in high school. And when I was 18 and I started having sex, I was basically a boy. I was fucking left and right, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I can tell you my count right now is over three hundred people, and in twenty years, and I mean, it. I I was having group sex. I was I slept with twin brothers one time. Right. I've had multiple threesomes. Like it didn't matter because I I took so many things of. I'm never gonna be that girl that just has to do what a guy says. I'm gonna take the power back. I'm gonna fuck you because I choose to when I want to, however many people I want to, I'm making the choice. Right.
0: And, wh- and what was it that happened in the high school stage of the game that-
1: I was raped by two guys.
0: And so that's when the everything switched for you. Yeah. Got it. And so when you had that happen, Were you, were you, where was this, on the street? I know, I was blackout
1: drunk, literally blackout. Because because
0: of a drink that was made
1: or something that was dropped in a drink? I think so. I don't know. It was a house party. Okay. So it was a guy that I was talking to, Mm -hmm. not necessarily dating. Mm -hmm. His dad had remarried or had married my dad's cousin but it wasn't a blood cousin so so follow this so my dad's cousin yeah got divorced yeah from my aunt linda
0: yeah aunt
1: linda remarried this guy who had already had kids uh-huh. it was one of his kids okay so that you
0: were talking with that we
1: were talking with he right. was like in the in the rodeo circuit he was a bull rider okay i was 15 he was 18 or 19 Mm-hmm. And we went out to visit them They lived on the other side of Wisconsin. So we you know, did a family trip out there. He had older brothers that were in their twenties. They all lived in a house together. Mm-hmm. So they had a house party and me and my sister were there and we were drinking. And I, I remember I got so fucked up. I was puking everywhere. I like pissed my pants from laughing. Yeah. So they like had to throw me in the shower, take all my clothes, put them in the wash. Yeah. He took me to his bedroom and it was the middle of winter and I was like naked in bed. I remember this. It was a water bed.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was
1: cold. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I was blacked out. And I remember blacking out probably, I couldn't even tell you how much time passed, but I'm going to guess it was only like 20 minutes. Yeah. And I remember waking up almost in like hypothermic shock because I was so cold. Sure. To both of them inside me, one in my mouth and one in my vagina. Yeah. And I remember waking up and being like and shaking. I was convulsing. It was like pure hypothermia, so they both like got up, put clothes on me and took me outside, thinking it would wake me up, even though it was again the dead middle of winter. Oh my God, and that like woke like so, so whatever it was woke I, that I was woken up for a reason because I was being essentially de. yeah, exactly you were. you know, yeah um. Yeah, and you know the craziest thing is I never ever accepted it as rape mm-hmm. until about four years ago.
0: I'm I listen, I'm not surprised. I had a very recent revelation not being raped, but something kind of uh, not similar, by the yeah. way but in that moment in time mm-hmm. that it's like, it takes years and years yeah. of living to realize those moments that were like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And so in that moment, so, you know, they get clothes on you or whatever, uh-huh. take you outside, do whatever. And, and then what happened? Like- I don't really remember. They basically abandoned the, the situation yeah. proceeds, you go on with life and 3 years like like no more intimacy between now and that, then yeah because that, that, was, that, was, that was my yeah that yeah. was my
1: virginity 100%, 100%. so now i'm afraid of like 100% i'm like i don't know if i want to have sex right and then finally when i turned 18 i remember i just graduated high school i graduated high school when i was 17 so it was actually right before my 18th birthday i remember kind of doing this thing where i was like you know what i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna let this affect me i just need to have sex Mm
0: -hmm. and i
1: remember just having sex just to like get it done and over with Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. and for you what what because as females detaching from intimacy takes almost another form of wiring
1: oh and i'm so good at it
0: well So because you were somebody who could detach from your emotions Uh from the moment that that happened with the two boys, or you were able to detach before that moment, like, where do you think you were aware of detachment? Like, you could be detached as a five-year-old watching an animation thing on TV, and because of a series of events going on in the house, yeah, like screaming, you learned to detach.
1: I have been detached for a long time. Emotions were not a big thing in our family. Mm-hmm. My parents were not very forthcoming with saying, you know, I love you or being affectionate. And it's just because how, it's how they were raised. Yeah, of course. You it's know, environment. It's environment. And like, I not to say that they didn't love us. There of definitely course. was love ex- all around. There's, right. There's.
0: It was just a form of expression that you didn't seem to receive for your own sense of approval or appreciation or just, Hey,
1: uh, you know, sure. So, and you know, there was another part of growing up where, um, I always like, I have an older sister and two younger brothers and being the middle child, I literally got blamed for everything. Oh, my, my siblings were assholes
0: and we laugh about it now,
1: but it, you learn to detach from everything because you're like, well, I know I didn't do anything. So I'm not going to cry about it because I know I'm in the right, but it doesn't matter how I'm being treated. It's just, I have to accept it. It's funny. So, I, re- I relate to that, but in a different way. So, so continue. Well, no. So like I've, I've learned to detach uh, for emotion from a lot of things in my life at a very young age.
0: Well, I mean, again, that's a trained muscle. Yeah. That is a full-on train muscle because you are super sensitive. I am. You're super sensitive. Mm-hmm. As much of a truck driver, I got this bullshit force that you have. Yeah. And I mean that in the most loving way. Yeah. But you are like, don't fuck with me, energy force. Mm-hmm. And yet you're a soft and gooey carmelian oh, inside. Oh, 100%. I mean, this
1: is
0: why I love you you so much because you've got all those sides to you yeah and that's
1: well it's so funny that you say that because like if I am like in love with somebody or I could be in love with anybody in like two seconds if I'm like oh I melt right I completely I'm like oh my god and it's crazy going back to like how I say like my mom is is weak around men I try I see some of myself in that and I'm like no don't do it stop so I start to detach because I'm like, I'm not going to let all this ooey gooeyness just take, take over. Up, right. So I'm getting better with it, which is so funny, but um, I'm getting better at allowing the emotions without losing myself.